Welcome to the Julius Baer Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 7th of February, with me, Bernadette Anderko. Today, we've got quite an equity bias in the podcast. Our head of research in Hong Kong, Richard Tang, brings us up to date with the challenging market dynamics for Chinese equities. And our head of equity strategy, Mathieu Rachete, is here to update us on the earnings season. But first, we're going to get a roundup of the latest markets action, which won't be restricted to equities. And here to provide that is the head of investment writing, Roman Canciani. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Bernadette. Right. Well, I, I suggest, Roman, that we start with a quick look at the US Treasury market. Uh, since last Friday and the surprisingly strong non-farm payrolls report, yields there have jumped massively. I mean, the 10-year, for example, the US Treasury yield is up 28 basis points, I think, at one stage. And, and to put that in perspective, that's been the biggest two-day jump since June 2022, when markets were surprised by the Fed's 75 basis points hike. What's new in the last few hours? Well, yeah, Bernadette, U.S. Treasury trade has uh, certainly deserved a bit of a break yesterday as a uh, global bond market settled down a little. After the route, that saw two-year Treasury yields hit their highest levels since before the Federal Reserve's pivot in December and 10-year Treasuries uh, go from 388 to 416 in one go. According to strategists, it simply seems that the Federal Reserve has finally managed to get its message across. Uh, more data is needed to confirm that inflation is moving towards the central bank's 2% target before the rate-setting committee feels comfortable enough to cut rates. And uh, recent data in the US speed in manufacturing services or labor market data all confirm that the US economy is indeed in good shape. Um, so in the absence of uh, any important economic data for the US yesterday, Markets basically put a lot of focus on some Fed speakers which were uh, on tape yesterday, and they basically all echoed what uh, Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, said last week. So there's no particular news from that side. But there was an auction of uh, three-year treasuries yesterday, which received a very warm welcome by investors, pushing yields down across the entire yield curve in the U.S., But uh, the big test for the markets, however, will be today uh, when a record 42 billion of US 10-year Treasury bonds will be auctioned. So stay tuned for that. Um, As a result of uh, the market action over the past few days, uh, a March rate cut in the US, once seemingly a done deal, is now basically out of traders' minds and wallets. Uh, They have pushed back the timing of the first uh, cut to May and also reduced expectations for the number of quarter point cuts from as many as six in the US to just over four. Uh, At Judas Bear, we expect three array cuts this year. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, Let's turn to the equity markets now. The picture yesterday wasn't that bad, was it? Yes, equity markets had a reasonably positive day yesterday, driven by some positive earnings reports and a relative calm in the bond markets. In Europe, the energy sector led the rally uh, up around 2% with uh, BP, uh, the best performer after it announced that fourth quarter profits had beaten estimates and that it would accelerate its share buybacks. The only market in the red was Switzerland, where Nestle and Novartis pushed the index into negative territory for the day. UBS was the notable underperformer here, uh, down 4.4% on worse-than-expected earnings in the fourth quarter. And uh, in the US, uh, 
Palantir Technologies jumped around 30% on a bullish forecast for demand for artificial intelligence. And uh, US listed Chinese stocks also rose, but uh, more on that later from uh, Richard, I guess. Overall, the S&P 500 closed the day up 0.2% with 9 out of its 11 sectors posting a positive return over the day. Outperformers were materials and real estate, while tech was the strongest laggard, uh, down 0.5%. The Russell 2K index, measuring small and mid-caps in the US, saw a little bounce, up by about 0.8% after its strong underperformance over the past days. I think in, in general, one can say that the leadership in the stock market has changed a bit, at least in the US, while it was mostly cyclical and small cap stocks leading the rally into January. Now it's more like quality growth and defensive sectors which are driving stocks up. All right. So let's turn our focus now to the overnight action in Asia. What can you tell us there, Roman? Well, the picture this morning is not too bad there, although stocks have come off their session highs uh, in Asia. Markets were held by positive corporate results out of Japan. Uh, Toyota ended the day up by about 4% after the world's number one car maker boosted its operating income guidance. And Mitsubishi saw its share price jump by nearly 10% on a share buyback announcement and better than expected quarterly earnings. Yum China is also higher by 15% following its better-than-expected results. Overall, Asia is up by about 0.5%, uh, led by the South Korean KOSPI index, which closed 1.3% higher, and Chinese onshore markets are up around 1%. So closer to home, um, I see there's already data out this morning, right? Yes, it's been a busy um, start to the day for, for analysts here. Uh, in Switzerland, unemployment data for January were released, uh, coming in spot on with the expectations at 2.5%. And in Germany, industrial production data for December was released uh, this morning. And the numbers there are weaker than expected with a month-on-month drop of 1.6% versus expectations of a drop by only 0.5%. And uh, looking at the day ahead, what's in store for investors? Well, while the calendar looks light with regard to important economic data, it's of course the earnings season which keeps traders on alert. In Europe, a total energy which missed estimates, uh, Vestas which delivered an improving outlook for this year and Carlsberg which delivered solid results. Uh, all according to analysts' first takes, are only some of the companies which reported this morning. And uh, we got a reminder yesterday on how disastrous a disappointing earnings report can be. Social media company Snap crumbled by about 30% in aftermarket trading in the US after uh, it reported revenue that missed uh, analysts' estimates. So volatility across equity markets is likely to remain high, Overall, however, equity market futures for the US point towards uh, an unchanged opening this afternoon. That's it from me. Great, Roman. Thanks so much uh, for providing us with the market's highlights today. Thank you very much. So now our focus turns to equities and let's start with uh, Richard Tang and China. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Bernadette. So Richard, Bloomberg reported yesterday that uh, Chinese policymakers seem to be stepping up measures to deal with the falling market. And, and one of the developments seems to be that the national team is indeed buying Chinese stocks. Uh, that might take some investors back to 2015. What do you think? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, indeed, um, Bloomberg uh, came with a couple of news flows uh, yesterday, uh, taking the market uh, higher. There are a couple of things other than national team, including 
that policymakers are trying to put in more restrictions to shop selling, essentially making it more difficult to shop stocks. Uh, also, they are giving some windows guidance uh, to some institutions to basically loosen the maintenance margin requirements, so leaving more buffer uh, before the margin calls are uh, coming in. Uh, but the most important thing, as you mentioned, uh, is the national team. So uh, China uh, does have a sovereign wealth fund, and uh, the name is Central Huijing. Um, so Central Huijing uh, already mentioned that they're going to buy uh, stocks uh, in uh, Asian market. Uh, and together with a few more state-backed funds, uh, we generally collectively call them the national team. Uh, and um, uh, we've seen that um, the national team uh, uh, bought a lot of Asia market in 2015. Uh, and now it looks like they are buying uh, a lot of Asia uh, again. And uh, people are trying to draw parallel uh, because uh, in 2015, uh, again, when the market confidence was uh, sort of collapsing, uh, national team came in and then that was followed by two years of bull market starting from 2016. So some of the more optimistic uh, investors were asking, uh, would that repeat again at uh, this time? Now, I think uh, we need to also look into the difference between 2015 and now, uh, because uh, in 2015, I think the bull market is not just driven by the national team buying stocks, but also that um, there was uh, a reform uh, and uh, a couple of other things in property market, um, and there was a surge in property prices, and of course, like, that leads to a rebound in the Chinese economy, the fundamentals, and hence uh, the Asia uh, uh, prices. Now, what we're seeing is that most of the policies are concentrated on the stock market administrative measures, um, very few on the economy side, uh, lacking physical policies, etc. So we think that these you know, national team buying shares probably would help uh, to put a floor uh, to the market, but uh, for the market to really effectively um, rebound uh, for a more uh, long period of time, uh, or even starting a new bull market, uh, we still think that the fundamentals have to improve. And we think that uh, the economic policies are lacking on that front. So I think um, the good news is that we are hopefully not seeing the stock market falling further. Uh, but the bad news is that um, I, I do think that we lack uh, upward momentum uh, unless uh, there will be more physical policies. All right, then. So for those who want to stay in the Chinese market, what should their strategy be at the moment, Richard? Yeah, sure. So in the past six to 12 months, we've been advising our clients to diversify away from the Chinese markets uh, in case they have a lot of concentrated positions. Um, but in case, like for whatever reason, uh, some of our clients want to stay invested uh, in the Chinese market, uh, then we suggest them to stay with a defensive um, uh, allocation. Uh, we still like dividend stocks uh, and also an overlapping theme is state-owned enterprises. Uh, generally, um, these two have a fair amount of overlap in terms of the uh, stocks that fall into each of the categories. Uh, and the third theme that we're suggesting is a consumption downgrade. Um, that has been a theme that uh, domestic brokers has highlighted, uh, I think, uh, since the middle of last year. Uh, but I think a lot of foreign brokers are getting onto this bandwagon uh, starting from the beginning of this year as well. The logic is very simple uh, that um, because people are not getting that optimistic on their wealth outlook, on their income outlook. So what we've observed is that um, people are downgrading the consumption. Um, they are, instead of traveling outside, they are uh, doing domestic travel. Uh, they are also uh, going down uh, the price point in terms of the consumption. So I think uh, those um, would be the ones that may be 
uh, interesting uh, to clients as well. Uh, so all these three, three uh, uh, strategies uh, probably uh, would get uh, client portfolio uh, much more defensive uh, if they have to invest in China. Okay, so pretty clear message then. And of, of course, a reminder to listeners that the Chinese A-share equity market will be shut next week uh, because of the Lunar New Year festivities that start on Saturday. They'll reopen on the 19th of February and Hong Kong's exchanges will reopen on the 14th of February. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Richard. Thank you. And uh, for those who celebrate the Lunar New Year, um, happy Lunar New Year. Now it's time for the earnings update with uh, Mathieu Racheté. Good morning, Mathieu. Good morning, Bernadette. Last week marked the biggest week in terms of earnings releases, with almost 40% of the S&P 500's market cap reporting their Q4 results. Amongst those, five of the Magnificent Seven came out with updates. Perhaps you could run us through the highlights, Mathieu. Sure, happy to do so. So yes, five out of the Magnificent Seven companies came out with updates and most of them surpassed even those lofty investor expectations. In terms of single names, especially Meta delivered really strong results and also announced its first ever quarterly dividend, leading to a sharp rally in stock price. But also if you look at Amazon, they also the company also surpassed the top and bottom line estimates and the company expects a continued acceleration in its cloud business in 2024. Then we also had Alphabet and Apple, um, which, you know, they largely met expectations, but disappointed on particular issues, such as weakness in China sales for Apple and the lack of positive surprises at Alphabet. But overall, you know, this past week saw the results and outlook are driving earnings estimates higher for those companies. Okay, so in light of where valuations are now, are you still constructive on uh, mega cap stocks? Yes, uh, we are. Of course, you know, some share price consolidation or the short term after such a rally is possible. But, you know, the secular growth drivers remain firmly in place here. The biggest pushback we always uh, received our call here is, and you mentioned that already, um, is on valuations. And yes, those mega cap tech stocks are not cheap anymore, but valuations are far from excessive. We also see some market commentators making the comparison here with the dot-com bubble. But at this point, the analogy is quite weak because... First off, current valuations of the mega cap uh, technology stocks is still only a fraction of that of the leaders in the 2000s. And secondly, the companies um, today are highly cash generative. So to just put it into numbers here, the market cap weighted uh, price to earnings multiple for 2025 for this mega cap tech stocks group um, today in the US currently stands at 25.2 times, which is less than half compared to the five biggest stocks during the dot-com bubble of the early 2000s. But also if you look at the free cash flow yield, it's twice as high at 4% compared to the dot-com bubble at 2% for those companies. So the bottom line is that valuations are not yet an issue at current levels, and we continue here to be constructive on the US cap tech, tech stocks group. All right. So then um, how does the picture of the overall earnings season change with last week's results? Yeah. So last week's results overall has been, um, again, on the strong side. But the beat ratio has increased further from 68% to 72%. And remember, just two weeks ago, we had a beat rate of only 62%. Uh, as we were off for a weak start into the earnings season. What's more here, you know, consensus is now expecting again positive year-over-year growth in earnings for Q4 of roughly 1.6%. So in a nutshell, you know, the more advanced the earnings season, the better the results um, seems to be this time around. We still have roughly a quarter of the S&P 500's market cap that will report results in the next few weeks. So therefore, you know, the earnings uh, show will continue to stay with us uh, for, for some weeks. 
Well, in that case, we'll look forward to having you on again to keep us updated. Thank you, Mathieu, for bringing us up to speed today. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much to my guests for contributing and, of course, to you for listening. And please don't forget to join us again tomorrow when I'll be back hosting more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.